where you see all uh, hosts of uh, communities starting up that use their own currencies as a response. Welcome to the Two Tokens podcast, which is a public project financed by the European Union in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. During these episodes, we will discuss everything token related. Here, you'll find discussions about topics such as token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also more mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure to keep listening and enjoy. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome to the Two Tokens podcast. We are here today in Rotterdam interviewing, doing a podcast with a Coin Foundation and uh, in from all over Europe with uh, Edgar Kampers dialing in from um, Lisbon and Domenico Pelleretti, not Italian, but calling in from Romania. He can introduce himself later. We, uh, I'm the chairman of uh, Two Tokens. My name is Alex Bausch and I'm your host today. And I would like to uh, welcome you to this new podcast series. Those of you who know us uh, for the last two years have uh, already seen the different um, uh, webinars and, and other uh, activities that we've done. But this year we decided to start recording in-depth podcasts. And uh, in this series, we started with a uh, podcast on energy tokenization, the energy token, which is done by our energy token working group and uh, a podcast on NFTs and how they can be applied. Um, today's podcast will be all about uh, how tokens can be used in society and make a better world. And uh, it is my honor to, uh, to introduce uh, Coin Foundation. But before we do that, I'd also like to hand the microphone to somebody new to, to tokens and who's uh, going to be responsible for the programming of all these podcasts and the growth hacking. And please give a warm welcome to Iris. Iris, welcome here. Thank you very much, Alex. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you're going to be doing? Of course. Thank you very much, Alex. My name is Iris and I'm from the Netherlands, currently living in Amsterdam. And I have a marketing and communication background. I joined the Two Tokens community a couple of months ago, and I'm very excited to take you on our journey towards a tokenized economy. Um, we have a growing number of people listening in from all over the world, which yeah, I'm going to be in charge of, but also other activities and events like webinars, blogs, white papers, etc. Uh, if you have any marketing related questions, please let me know. Reach out to me via iris at twotokens.org. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Welcome, Edgar. Can, we, can, you little, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, so my name is Edgar Kampers and I'm the founder of COIN and I'm in the world of community currencies. That's the topic of today for uh, over 30 years. Um, and uh, there are more people in COIN uh, like me. It's an industry that's, uh, say, 20, 30, 40 years older than the blockchain uh, industry. And in that world, we already used tokenization or currencies uh, for quite some time. And um, what did you call them tokens 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or was it called something else? Uh, so since all the tokens that we developed up till now are transactional by nature, uh, we call them community currencies because they look lo more like a currency than, than an access token or, or an equity token. So we call them uh, community currencies. That's so let me get this right. Yeah, tokens are as old as the old Greeks, um, uh, but you are have actually been doing token taxonomies for the last 20 years, way before there was any cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or what have you. 
Yes, yes. So the people in my industry started probably in the mid eighties uh, of the last century. Uh, a host of uh, communities starting up that use their own currencies as a response to one globalization and also because computers made it very easy to do these type of things. Before that, it was paper and very tough. Uh, from that moment on, we could have an Excel sheet in which we did all the calculations. So that's how it started. I entered that industry in 1993. Um, when we started to set up uh, what we call LED systems in the Netherlands, which are informal groups of people that use a currency to buy and sell products and services from each other to each other on a common marketplace. Um, and we started the first one in Amsterdam in 1993 under the name Nopus. It's still there, nopus.nl. Everybody can look it up. Uh, and it's a small community of enthusiastic people that still do the same thing. That's a really nice bridge to Domenico. Domenico I understand that you uh, just did a PhD on this subject and you are one of the officers of the Coin Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing in tokenization? Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thank you, Iris, for uh, welcoming here. Uh, I'm Domenico Pelliteri. Uh, just uh, rephrasing a little bit my surname. <laughs> I am I call him from Bucharest, and I'm uh, um, Coins Director um, and Director at Coin, um, and I'm also Social Impact Lead for the organization. And so, and so what what did you do at at Coin? I understand that you did a paper on uh, the, the the social impact of tokenization. Yeah, we recently did we recently did a paper uh, for the, the basically connecting the world of community currencies with the social innovation and social entrepreneurship uh, world, and how the currencies can be uh, an additional tool uh, to improve social innovation, social impact in a specific context. Can we find that paper somewhere? If people, if our listeners would like to download it, not yet, but you will soon. Okay. So, yeah. So that might actually be uh, a good reason to do another podcast just one-on-one -on -one with uh, with you, right? Absolutely. What would be this, uh, the title of that podcast? What would be the title? Um, so that podcast, uh, uh, that research would be, uh, hmm, it's a good question, huh? The title could be like uh, uh, digitalization, social innovation, and complementary currencies. Why and what? Yeah, I'm not, not still, still some work to do on that. But uh. <laughs> Well, the purpose of today um, is to dive into uh, the, 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 the applied research that we, uh, that, that we as two tokens have done in the last three years and moving forward and what we're going to be doing in 22 and also to announce the, the close cooperation with COIN and um, what Edgar and myself have established in the last uh, three, four months, Edgar, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we are very complementary. Uh, whereas um, at Two Tokens, we always focus on uh, adoption and how uh, the tokenization is already here. And it's not just cryptocurrency or crypto assets, but it's in everyday industry. You have, in fact, been doing it and in, uh, in, in many cases for, uh, for good causes. How do you see um, that we can apply the learnings of Coin Foundation and... Um, uh, to the to the uh, the working groups and use cases that we've been working on with two tokens here uh, in Europe and abroad. 
Edgar. Yeah, thank, thank you, Alex. So we did a little thinking uh, in how to uh, explain a little where we come from. So it's easy to see how we can continue uh, uh, in working together with two tokens. And we can do that by giving three historical examples and then uh, analyze that a little to see what we would do different in, say, this, this time frame too. So the first example, I think, Domeni, you can give that, the Curitiba one? Yes. Um, the Curitiba example is basically referring to a currency that was developed uh, uh, in the past, in the 90s, um, by the mayor, the mayor of Curitiba. And uh, that was basically, this was a part of uh, a bigger project of uh, urban regeneration that was applied in Curitiba and was to tackling pro the problem of garbage in the favelas of the city that was in uh, full development. Um, basically, uh, they didn't have much of a budget uh, to deal with um, waste management and recycling. And uh, what they created was uh, an entire program uh, that could basically um, help people that needed mobility. So they needed to move from the periphery uh, where they were living to the center. And, uh, but, uh, and uh, they were incentivized to recycle and they were incentivized to recycle um, through uh, giving them a token. They created a token, actually. Uh, they called it, like, it was a physical token back then. They created that token uh, for using the bus. And meanwhile, they improved a lot the bus services. They created a network that was, uh, uh, that was uh, basically a network, uh, a very fast network of buses in the city. And this helped to not only to in increase the green mobility, but also uh, to reduce the waste uh, in the favelas and to recycle. Uh, that program reached had uh, massive success uh, among people. People started to, to use more public transport. They started to recycle. The favelas became parks, uh, more than 17 parks out of, uh, out of several uh, poor neighborhoods that were built. Um, 62 poor neighborhoods uh, exchanged around 11 tons of garbage and nearly a million bus tokens were sold. Uh, and that was uh, one example from the past when there was no uh, blockchain yet, when the, uh, the digitalization was not yet there. Uh, we were just at the beginning of the computer, but already tokens were used in public, uh, in public policies in this case. But there are many other uh, examples related to the private, the private sector. And to bring that one step further, um, yeah. in um, uh, around 2000, we um, were able to create a project in the city of Rotterdam together with the city and the environmental services of the city, the RIT, the tram company, the uh, waste company in the city, uh, three different banks, one of them being the Rabobank, uh, some energy companies and 100 entrepreneurs and basically all cultural uh, organizations in the city of Rotterdam. And we copied the basic idea of Curitiba there and we made it electronic. So um, the citizens that joined, and we had uh, 10,000 uh, people on its heights, these 10,000 people got a card, and if they would shop in one of the 100 uh, shops that would uh, participate, they would get one point for every euro that they bought there. And if it was a green product or a solidarity product or whatever, water-based paint or uh, 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 light-saving bulbs, these type of things, they would get four points per euro spent. And the whole idea was that people would be incentivized to choose for the green option before they would choose for anything else. So we got uh, European funding, we got uh, funding from several ministries in the Netherlands, we got funding from the province um, and, and some private entities. And with that money, we had a program running for one and a half years uh, in which we were able to attract 10,000 people that were using this. And uh, the points that they got for the green buying could be spent on, for example, going to the local cinema, going to the museum, uh, going to the zoo, 
climbing uh, the big tower in the middle of town, uh, Distata 6. Um, it was uh, a pretty successful uh, product and it was um, ended, um, which was really a pity, in 2003 when uh, Pinford Town uh, was murdered and the whole system was stopped by the city of Rotterdam. But it was working very well and we could prove that you can change the behavior of people on that scale by incentivizing them for the right type of behavior. So again, that is an example of a token system before there was blockchain. It was electronic, it was centralized, of course, but it was very possible to do so. So in a way, 20 years ago, a lot of these developments had already been introduced. And yeah. is it safe to say that with the current state of decentralized technology and where we are now, that more is possible and in terms of adoption, uh, we're bound to have uh, uh, a, a quicker adoption because people accept it more or what are your views on this? Now to introduce that and Domenico please continue, uh, I would say that there are two differences between now and say 20 years ago. We had a financial crisis which was huge and in that financial crisis people found out where money came from. They started to understand how it's created and they also understood for the first time that poverty issues or environmental issues are connected in a way with the way we organize our global economy. So up till that moment, most of the currencies were sort of a response against this type of uh, um, 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 globalization issues. So very often they were defensive. But after that moment, they suddenly became an instrument that could be used by anybody who had a strong goal. For example, I want to separate waste in my uh, community, or I want to fill up the theaters in downtimes, or whatever it is, and start to use these type of tokens. So that was number one. We could suddenly, we understood that money is human invented, human invention, and that we can recreate it in a way that uh, will serve our uh, goals better. Now that's of course very strong within the, uh, the blockchain world. This is a notion that everybody uses all the time. And the second thing that changed is that blockchain was invented. So up to that moment, we only had centralized solutions, centralized bank type of solutions in which we organize this with centralized marketplaces and centralized governance. Since blockchain is invented uh, we are able to do this in a different way yeah, in the first uh, say uh, the first case only the ledger itself would be decentralized but nowadays we can uh, organize decentralized autonomous associations or cooperatives that are going to organize this uh, we are able to uh, bring uh, the trust into the blockchain meaning we have no center anymore that needs to correct everything and check everything and balance everything so we have an opportunity that we never had before for so us the reason and, to work and, and yeah. this is great right so blockchain and i'm a techie so i i can i can relate but um so how would my mother-in-law use this she doesn't know about blockchain i don't think she cares uh, she maybe has an iPad and, uh, you know, she uses electronic banking. How does she use uh, this Rotterdam coin or the, 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 the token that we're introducing here? Uh, uh, how, does it, how is that different from 20 years ago? Yeah, maybe, maybe I could try to reply with that with another example that is not directly on blockchain, but there are others that are made on blockchain on the same line of uh, uh, of currencies. That is a currency uh, in Villa de Cans that's close to Barcelona. Uh, this is called uh, Villa Watt and is basically a currency that is uh, was created in 2020 and was actually funded by European funds. Um, and uh, the idea was to tackle energy poverty in a specific nation 
neighborhood of the city of Villadecans, which is a medium city of 60 plus thousand inhabitants. And they wanted to deal uh, with a broader project so of, uh, uh, of a neighbor regeneration. So basically they wanted to deal with energy poverty. And among the things that they, they basically implemented, so they implemented a, an advisory service for energy efficiency for the household. They implemented the building renovation. So they funded with subsidies building renovation. And they also uh, started to supply the production of renewable energy uh, through a panels installation in the house of uh, uh, the, in the house of uh, several families in the neighborhood. And they introduced this currency. They basically introduced an app that could be downloaded by any uh, by any citizen of that neighborhood. They could download that app and start to basically uh, wet while they were saving energy, they were uh, having updated uh, um, their basically account in that app that was managed by an electronic money entity. Um, and uh, they were having points. Those points were calculated on the kilowatt saved because they were using panel, uh, panels. Um, and they could exchange, basically they could use these points to local, uh, to local shops that were accepting. Already in one year, more than 400 local businesses started to accept the currency. And also, uh, grandmothers could basically, if they had uh, good nephews, but not only, they could download the app and they could go to the bakery and they could buy uh, some uh, they could make their uh, so could buy bread or they could buy something else partially we're using these cards so just replying with an example that is related to uh, basically nowadays to our days basically that's interesting because this is exactly the uh, what the working group energy token is uh, working on right now we are um, democratizing uh, access to uh, solar panels and uh, like you so uh, rightly said, you know, the, especially now, that is uh, really something in society that is that what people are looking at uh, because of uh, rising energy prices. And a uh, good example is uh, that you know, people want to have access to solar panels even though they don't have a roof. And um, so, but th- I guess the, the the lesson learned here is, you know, we're not selling tokenization, we're not selling coins, we're not selling blockchain or any of that. We're selling the application of in this case uh you know democratize energy uh, and access uh, to, to 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 those services and the underlying layer is is uh, the tokenization and and the dao and the coin and the token taxonomy and all that technicality you have to be uh, careful eh, that we don't use all these words too much so i agree totally with your uh uh, way of looking at this, uh, Alex. We need to provide solutions for the last mile. We need to be certain that the child can join and the grandmother can join and everybody in between. That means that we need to have technologies that they can use uh, basically on every moment. And the mobile phone is the easiest to see how that can work. Still, there's a small group that can't be part of it, so they need a nephew for the support. So um, what we can add there, which we also did in certain projects, is we can add a NFC card. Uh, so just like a normal bank card or an OVAT uh, public uh, transport card that you can use to identify yourself and to get or spend your tokens. Uh, that comes with other problems because you still need to have a communication layer and the app allows you to do the transactions and the marketplace and the communication layer if you just have something for the transactions then you need to uh, organize the other two but that's then typically what we would do we would try to find solutions that can be used by the target groups that we are trying to address and if it's the general audience then it needs to be good enough for all of them yeah i i was trying to share a uh, slide and uh, we call it power to the people i'm not sure if you can all see this but uh that, that that's what we're looking at right you know uh we're creating an energy token 
uh, and the object of the of the working group is to create an energy token that can be applied to solar panels so that we can all share in uh, in solar panels that we don't currently own and uh, so in, in terms of technical expertise you know we need to look at how you implement this and uh, you know in terms of how the solar panels are deployed on the roof and you know uh, the crypto anchoring all those technicalities that's what that's one aspect uh, a very big aspect is of course the legal regulatory uh, you, you cannot create a token and just uh, send it to someone else because all of a sudden that may be perceived as seen as a payment. And then you have a payment token, which the central banks um, won't like. But um, so this is in, in a way what, what, the, what, what, what we do. Um, do you see uh, other similar working groups uh, coming out of COIN and, and friends, you know, perhaps maybe even in our cooperation that, uh, that would focus on, on social good, if you will? And uh, this was energy poverty. That was a really good one. I think we should uh, focus on that. But uh, can you think of uh, other examples? So let's let's both come with one example. I would be very interested to uh, automatic uh, invoicing, uh, netting of invoices. So if companies, SME companies, but also bigger companies uh, that are in the proximity of each other, so for example, in and around Rotterdam or whatever we choose, would become part of a pool and they upload their uh, uh, invoices to that pool and then a algorithm is able to calculate uh, the creditors and the debtors and settle them automatically, then uh, 80% of all these invoices would be netted out um, and a small part would be uh, left and that small part of course need another solution so you need to pay anyways for that part or you need a token that uh, is doing this or you need a liquidity provider that takes it over and then it sounds like uh, factoring uh, something like that uh, is probably one of the solutions that we want to work on focused and, and on SME companies here, we, we did not script this uh, but it's beautiful that you made this bridge because that's another working group at two tokens Edgar and uh, oh, <laughs> good idea to become uh, part of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the the invoice token that we've been working on with Crowdsea and ABN Amro Bank and uh, some other industry players. Um, and uh, granted, you know, we haven't been looking at the social aspect of this, but you make a very good point. Uh, maybe you should join that working group. You know, um, Absolutely. So the, the huge problem here for SME companies, so small and medium-sized enterprises, is that they have limited working capital and they can't get a loan easily at a bank. And if it gets, if they get a loan, it comes at a high costs because they don't have collateral, eh? they have nothing to back it. That limits the options uh, a lot. Uh, at the same time, as long as they have enough liquidity and all uh, there, uh, if they send out invoices, if they're all paid in time, they can continue and continue. This all stops when parties are slow in their payments and they slow down the whole ecosystem, not just that one company, and we try to solve it with this type of solution. Domenico, would you have another example? Absolutely. I was actually um, thinking now, yes, the, the energy poverty is uh, part of an area uh, related to, to, to climate. Uh, and of course, um, talking about climate and talking about impact is more and more uh, something that uh, is in the agenda, not only of public policies, but also in the private markets. And uh, uh, let's 
think about uh, the impact uh, the impact investing market and uh, everything that is happen uh, related to impact measurement nowadays so uh, one interesting conversation would be to understand how um, the token could be helpful to basically uh, create a new uh, trust between investors and investee and how can actually help for instance track tracking the impact that is made out of a project uh, how we could how we could do that how we could uh, use a token uh, considering also that in Europe uh, basically all investors are going to be required very soon actually the, the law uh, to better say the regulation uh, enter into force this year uh, the regulation is uh, talking about is the sustainable finance disclosure regulation that was a regulation that uh, was entered into force the, in March uh, in 2021 actually last year um, that oblige all participants to financial market to report if they're doing any significant harm to the sustainable objective of the commission that the commission established, uh, the European Commission established, or if they're making impact and what kind of impact they're making. So how investors and investors are going to basically um, be helped uh, by a blockchain and by these new technologies in measuring impact and creating a new trust? That would be my two cents in terms of conversation that we could activate for this. And, and to bridge that for one moment to what community is part of that, because you can do what Domenico just said, this impact proof, eh, non-financial impact proof, yeah. that could be uh, done by by an algorithm that links to something else. It could be done by an oracle, eh, something like uh, an IoT device, Internet of Things device that is going to uh, measure things in real time. But you can also do this with community involvement. You can have people walking around in the neighborhood seeing if things are better or not, seeing if the waste is cleaned or not, seeing if the cafe is open, seeing if the old people uh, are interacting, whatever. You can make photos of it, you can upload this, and you can verify it. And you can use the community or community members to do that. So these type of tokens are starting in several decentralized autonomous organizations, and we could also build it in the type of solutions that we are developing. So that also um, sounds a little scary somehow, right? It's a little bit Big Brother watching you, uh, dystopia. Uh, what are your views on that? If, if all of a sudden uh, in totalitarian regimes, you might expect this, but uh, what, how, how, how does this work in terms of privacy, GDPR? Those are big questions and not, uh, I don't think we will answer them here, but uh, I think we could easily uh, do a working group on that. Um, so let me give a difference then. One big difference between if you would do this in a centralized country or in a decentralized context, because that is the big difference here, is that in the decentralized context, your governance is organized in a different way. Suddenly, uh, all the community members could have a say or a stake uh, in the organization that is going to do this, yeah. meaning they can decide on the most important things. It's also much easier to keep uh, uh, the privacy of people in a blockchain solution than in centralized solutions. If you design this well, uh, things don't leak. Um, I, at the same time, I think that on the community level where people live close to each other, say in the same street or the same neighborhood or the same village, that in these situations, um, privacy is important, but it's not important that you're anonymous. It's it's okay to be a known participant within the community because it's bigger than the family but it's smaller than the big world true it's it's the world where you live where you have your restaurants and your shops and your football club and on that level you are an active if it's okay eh? you are an active member an active community member an active citizen and you can strengthen that by doing it in the right way and yes for me it is very important that in these type of solutions the people have uh, a role to play maybe a leading role to play 
uh, in, in what we develop. And let's remember that those are tools and the way are applied, it's only up to the creators and the stakeholders involved. So any, <laughs> it's, uh, it's always there. Huh? It's how you design it and how inclusive you design something, <laughs> how social uh, you want to make your impact and so on and so forth. We could continue on that path. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, let's spend a different session on, on, on that aspect, you know, because tools, uh, you know, are just that tools. I, I did hear um, one of, uh, you know, in, in this uh, funding uh, uh, example that you used, Demonico, it, it's a demo- democratization of uh, funding. And, and that's uh, what ICOs and, and, um, and, and tokens and, and uh, initial coin offerings, token offerings have been all about. Is that something that Coin Foundation has been looking at as well? Or uh, funding a smaller medium enterprise or companies that are, you know, in a tough spot trying to get fin- finances? Uh, or is that historically not something that that coin has looked at? Yeah, uh, historically, um, historically, we have looked at the impact of the communities and to different stakeholders, and we were working with several, uh, so we were working with investors uh, that wanted to create currencies in their own uh, in their own properties, but we worked also with the cultural association. Um, and uh, about the, the, the history of uh, what we brought up in terms of supporting uh, social media enterprises and social innovators, Edgar can effectively tell you more. So, it, it, Edgar, this, this really goes to Next Generation Capital, which two tokens, that was really the origins of two tokens, uh, finding alternative means of financing a smaller medium enterprise beyond crowdfunding. Yes. Um, so, we have a project in Romania, and Domenico already spoke about that, in which we try to create a whole uh, suite of instruments that is useful for smaller companies, micro enterprises, nano enterprises, social enterprise, whatever we have, uh, because they don't have access to finance and that is worse in Romania than in Northwest Europe. So how do you create this? And uh, uh, what Next Gen Capital is trying to do is one of these perfectly uh, aligned uh, uh, tools that could be uh, used in that situation. And there is There are other things like that everybody knows them. We have crowdfunding, uh, and of course that looks a little like the same thing. Uh, we have this uh, uh, credit clearing, which is an example. I, I just gave you the example, but we also have uh, what they call B2B exchanges, in which companies buy and sell to and from each other using their own currency. And this one is regulated uh, by the European Union in a very nice way, because as long as it's a mutual uh, with a limited amount of members that are known, you are allowed to do a lot of things um, in the law, within the, the, the law. So you find a lot of these type of companies worldwide, more than thousands also in the US. Um, So all these different uh, uh, tools uh, are under research in this Romanian project. And with uh, several, we have hands-on experiences. And uh, we would love to add uh, uh, next-gen capital solutions to that as well, because I think it's a very good idea. Awesome. Um, Iris, I think if I look at you, uh, there's at least three or four more uh, sessions that we could uh, schedule. with uh, Edgar and Domenico and the people from COIN. Um, I would like um, to uh, welcome all the listeners uh, around the world to to zoom in and um, uh, ask us uh, specific questions that you'd like to see answered. With that uh, said, um, you know, please be sure to, um, to come back to uh, this channel. Um, we'll also be... Uh, 
introducing other events in the next three, four months together with uh, Domenico and uh, some other people within the, the organization. Uh, thank you for listening to today's uh, podcast. Uh, any closing remarks? Thank you for hosting us. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alex and Iris. That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org.